Welcome to episode three of the Flow Ninja podcast. Welcome to Jody Dean's Flow Ninja podcast, bringing you comedy, consciousness, creativity, natural health and well-being. Hi, it's me, Jody Dean. If you don't know me, I'm a body, mind, spirit coach and mentor. I also call it spiritual coaching. I'm a speaker, an actor, a digital marketer and content creator, and I make videos, I'm a YouTuber, and I'm an author, as well as making podcasts. So in this episode, I talk to the indefatigable and brilliant Andrew Funk, whom I had the pleasure to meet around 10 years ago. Um, over a coffee in a boho cafe in a side street of Barcelona. And wow, where he's come since then. Absolutely fabulous. I am absolutely delighted that I've had the opportunity to interview him on this podcast and get his message out to the world because it does need to be got out there. And please, I encourage you to share this interview, share this podcast, because he's doing incredible, amazing, worthy work helping homeless people, um, and he'll explain it much better than I could um, in the interview. Um, so I'm very excited to get this out there, and he's a lovely chap. He's very busy, so I'm glad he took the time out, um, was able to take the time out to do this interview. Um, he's a speaker and an entrepreneur himself and obviously a world server who is addressing the problem which is right under many of us, our noses, especially living in the city of homelessness. And he's doing an amazing, amazing job. And I am overawed really with his dedication. So, yes, without further ado, I present you Andrew Funk. Andrew, how are you? Hey, good morning. Good, good, good. Good morning. Great, 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 great. So, it's been a long time since we met. Yes, time has passed. Um, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot to say today, and, um, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you again. Yeah, likewise. Very excited. So, um, yeah, basically, what do you do? Tell us. Well, uh, to make a long story short, um, I have an organization I run that I set up uh, called Homeless Entrepreneur, and we help homeless people who want to tell their story and be active working citizens. So we create a community that cares, that uses their heart and mind and brain at the same time to uh, figure out how we can come up with better solutions and opportunities for and with homeless people. That would probably be the quickest explanation uh, regarding homeless entrepreneur. 
I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, so we met in a coffee shop about, what, 10 years ago, something like that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's before 2010. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, I think we connected online or something through LinkedIn or something like that. And, uh, you know, both being expats in Barcelona and uh, you, you expressed an interest in uh, writing, I remember. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'd like to talk to this guy. And he seems very interesting in what you're doing with on, a homeless entrepreneur, which I guess is a completely different stage than it was right then because it, um, it was just kind of like something a lot more... Um, humble i think uh <laughs> compared to what it is now and we had yeah. this great chat in this coffee shop and yeah um and i i resolved to um uh, reconnect with you at some point but i was basically I, I left barcelona a year you know within that same year or the next year and uh yeah, yeah so but you just kind of popped up in my consciousness somehow probably maybe through linkedin online possible. yeah it's possible yeah, and then I was like, oh, my God, because I you know, started this podcast, and I was like, Andrew, he would be a very interesting person. And I didn't respond to you for a few days. <laughs> oh, don't worry about that. I, know. I, was, I guess I was sleeping in the street, which is my excuse, and it's real, and, and it can be uh, proven online. So, Yeah, that, I mean, tell, tell me about that. Those sleepouts, we've been doing them for 35 months. Our upcoming uh, monthly sleepout is our three-year celebration. It's called Homeless Holidays. Uh, we believe that homeless people deserve one-day vacation at least a year. And um, it's a sleepout that we do to raise awareness um, so people have more knowledge about homelessness. Uh, they recognize how to participate and create change with that knowledge as well. And um, the, the one that's coming up is quite fun because it's our, our way of saying thank you for all the homeless people in our program that are giving their best to, to be active citizens and work again. So that's basically like a, vac a day, day of vacation in Barcelona. They end up in a hotel or a hostel as well. And then we have a really great breakfast in the morning. And um, the, my favorite, personally, uh, of these events are called Everyone Sleeping in the Street, anywhere from one day to five days. And they're quite intense. The ones in Barcelona are quite easy in my opinion, because we go all the way to the World Economic Forum in Davos when it's 20 below zero and sleep out in a teepee there to have the opportunity to speak with people like Matt Damon, um, Lord Hastings from KPMG and, and many other professionals in the economic world. But basically it's sleeping out and participating in high-powered events and, and getting people excited about helping homeless people that want to participate in the process. And uh, it's an amazing event. Um, it's very humbling and it destroys you because uh, uh, spending one night in the street is difficult. Two, three, four is another story. And I can't imagine um, those that have to spend much more than that. Like Ramon in our program, who, who was homeless for 15 years. He's currently working. Uh, he got a raise and he just got a, a license to operate machinery in his uh, company as well. So I have much respect for any person that's... Uh, able to get out of homelessness after spending more than one night in the street because it's a, it's a terrible thing to go through and it's easy to become homeless and it's much more complicated to uh, to get out of there so that's that's right. a resume that's a summary of our events that's a lot um <laughs> i'm just like trying to like com 
compartmentalize all of that because I can't take it all in. Um, <laughs> so, so you, so the homeless holidays—that's yeah. where homeless people get a chance to basically be inside somewhere nice and warm and cozy. It's a, no, it's not. It's twenty. It's more than that. It's twenty-four hours of uh, people in our community um, providing opportunities to feel like they're on vacation in Barcelona. Right. Okay. I get it. Okay. So that's, you know, anywhere from having breakfast at the hotel after they slept there and volunteers and other people getting together and just having a normal conversation. Um, we've done things like go to a spa, jacuzzi, massage. Uh, there are so many different things. We're wow. in the process of setting it up, but it just making people feel special for one day. Um, and just it's it's kind of like the day to look forward to as well because they work really hard the entire year like many other people. Uh, it's important for people that are listening to understand that. And what we do is not against people in um, that are unemployed or people that have jobs. It's just our target market is 20% of the homeless population, which is uh, what we call homeless entrepreneurs that are willing and able to participate actively to get a job and participate. And we try to give them our best so they can do that. And this this event called the Homeless Holidays, is really a way for us to say thank you for making such a huge effort. And um, it's also an opportunity for the sponsors and the people in our community to give back um, in a smart way to those that, that are homeless. You know, a lot of people do give um, to homeless people, but uh, we believe it has to be reciprocal. And if you just give something and there's no effort on the other side, uh, let's just say it gets lost many times and maybe it's not as appreciated as it could be. So what we try to do is get the people in our program uh, in a healthier community and give them better opportunities. And um, as a result, uh, three people have gotten jobs in the last uh, three three weeks. One who hadn't worked in three years. Um, he flew out to London with me for COGX, which was one of the sleep bets we did. It's a festival for AI and emerging technology. And he hadn't flown in 40 years, uh, so you can imagine how he felt. But um, at the end, he was just really excited about everything. He got a job with a one-month contract, and then that turned into a, a one-year contract. So he's really happy about that, and that's cleaning. Um, another person is in the process of getting a job at an artificial intelligence company. Wow. Um, he has to go through a lot of paperwork to make that happen, so I'm going back and forth to make sure that everything is okay. But... Um, it's a lot of documentation, but it seems like everything is on track. So if that's the case, then we're going to have a success story of how a homeless person or program got a job thanks to AI. And that should be huge news all over the place because everyone talks about how AI is going to kill jobs. But they don't think about the fact that we have to prepare ourselves for those opportunities or they will be lost like anything. Mm -hmm. And another woman named Mercedes, uh, she's in a program called the Flote. Um, it's called the Float in English. And it's recycling cork from restaurants, hotels, and other other organizations, entities, uh, and recycling that cork to create work for her. Um, she got a six-month contract thanks to a, an investor who's supporting the program. And our job is to make that uh, that program and project sustainable. And it's not in the cork. <laughs> cork has very minimal value. It's in the communication, the story. She's going to be using an electric bike uh, with a box that will have sponsorship space on there, and also creating products with the recycled cork. So those are three examples of how we've ended homelessness uh, in the last three weeks. Um, there's a lot of work that takes place before to make that happen. 
and also a lot more work afterwards. Because if you just look at a job, uh, you think you maybe have one, two, or maybe three interviews to get that job. Uh, but afterwards, you have 365 days you need to keep it. So the, the important aspect is, is uh, maintaining the job. And when we say maintain, that means excelling, improving as a person and as a professional along the way and, and receiving the support from our community. I love it. That's just incredible. I love it. Um, and <laughs> yeah, blown away. So just like so much, you must have a massive heart. And uh, yeah, uh, I, I would say that my heart's there. Yeah. Um, and fortunately, my my head's there too. I don't. Um, and, and I sleep every once in a while. I have a, a child that was born five weeks ago. So yeah. let's just say okay. between that and everything around you, um, let's just say that's a very intense day that lasts yeah. about 26 hours. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, it's, I, I received a message last night on LinkedIn from a guy and I have, I respond to everyone that invites me to connect. And, you know, I have a very simple message that I use and and I personalize it depending on who it is, et cetera. Yeah. Just because there's, just, you know, I, I have almost 25,000 contacts there. So um, I try to be as efficient as possible there. And he said, yeah, Andrew, I know who you are. And, uh, you know, I'm reaching out to you because you're doing amazing work. And I used to be homeless myself. I've been in and out. But right now I'm just unemployed and I'm in the house. And I just want to say I really appreciate what you're doing. So, um those kind of stories, like people connecting, saying that they've gone through uh, a homeless situation and they appreciate what we're doing, means a lot. Because, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of time, energy, and effort. And when you give your heart and soul into something, um, it, takes, uh, it takes a long time to actually build a community. It's not something that goes viral and that's it. It's something that you create uh, genuine wealth with and, and that gets shared. So grows properly uh, let's just say the heart is as big as our community right so the more we we grow the more people reach out like yourself they're like hey, andrew why don't you share your story um mm. those those kind of opportunities um bring everyone's heart together and at the end of the day a homeless entrepreneur is a mirror of all the people in our community wow and is a it's a foundation is that the right it's, word to use? it's an association right now we've been working really hard for the last three years right now we're in the process of setting up the foundation um we've right. raised twelve thousand. we're in the process of raising eighteen thousand more for the foundation in spain we're looking for three uh three people that would like to be active board members and put six thousand in each um, to close that first round um it's important to know too that we're trying to figure out which jurisdiction is the best. Um, basically because in Spain you have to sit on that 30,000, right? Like you have to have that in your account at all times. Mm. And in London, you don't have to have that. So yeah. there are different legal um, tools, if you will, um, depending on where you want to set up the organization. Obviously everything's legal because that's the only way we do things. Um, but we're trying to figure out the best way to set it up so we can actually use that money to help people. Right. Um, I have a hard time as an investor or just as a person thinking that sitting on 30000 is positive for people that we're helping when we can actually use that to help them. So when we get those other three people that 
uh, come on board. We already had, I had a meeting yesterday with a woman from London um, who's worked in companies like AXA, Winter, uh, yeah, AXA Wintertour, um, McKenzie and Zurich. And uh, she might come on board, hopefully. And uh, we're just in that process of closing that. And then we need to raise 250000 for the next year so we can end homelessness for 100 people in Barcelona. This is our goal. We, we've uh, been able to bring the cost of helping one person down from 10000 all the way down to 3049 including the uh, operating costs. And we're just doing our best to bring that cost down as low as possible so we can help more people. Um, mm. Thanks to the donations we receive, the sponsorships, and um, and the revenue we generate through the, the activity so we mm. can help more people. Mm. So tell me more about Sleeping Rough. Uh-huh. What do you want to know? Sleeping Rough is terrible. <laughs> well, right. I mean, so these kind of nights you go on when you go out and sleep rough, is it just you or is it you in a group? Normally it's me in a group. Um, uh, every once in a while it's me by myself, which is something I detest. Uh, I do not like sleeping by myself in the street um, just because of safety issues, yeah. not knowing what's going on. And normally it's in a foreign city, in a foreign country. And so when you can't identify the conversations taking place at 2.30 in the morning and you're surrounded by drug use and prostitution, let's just say that's not the most comfortable situation. But I, I, I have my, my skills and I've, I have a little bit of knowledge knowing how to get around those things. Yeah. Um, I'm going to knock on wood and hopefully that is wood. That should be wood. And um, uh, basically you can have groups of uh, up to... 30 people sleeping out or I can be by myself. Um, And it really depends on where we're going. If I'm going to a new city, a new event, um, it's harder to get people to sleep out if we don't have a community in that specific city and people have to spend money on the flight and then go out there in time. So um, depending on where we go, I slept by myself in front of the United Nations in Geneva. Um, I also did that by myself at the Web Summit in Lisbon. Um, I think those are the only places I've slept by myself. Maybe there's some other places as well, too. Mm. But uh, normally it's in group. When you're by yourself, it's just uncomfortable. Like, you don't... Actually, I slept out as well in front of uh, Side Business School in Oxford for the Skull World Forum. Um, And you don't know what to expect. Like, you're in an unknown city. Like, you don't know how the police are going to respond, security, local citizens, homeless people. So there are just so many factors that are unknown at that Mm -hmm. moment that you just have to death. You don't sleep at all. You, you literally sleep with like one eye open. And I also slept out in Madrid last last month as well, so I ended up sleeping out by myself a few times. But um, uh, you just sleep with one eye open or you close your eyes, you count to 30, 30 or 60, you open them to look around until you feel comfortable. Um, and the first night is not comfortable. The second night, you're exhausted and you just fall asleep. You know, so uh, it also opens your eyes to many different things. I mean, if it's not raining, and you're in a safe place, it's not a bad thing, right? But um, if it rains, if it's cold, um, if the environment is negative, um, mm. let's just say that your your safety is not uh, like it should be. But you can have issues as well. I mean, when I was in Oxford before I, I went to sleep, um, I was at a hotel. And it was crazy because we heard a bunch of noise. I seriously thought we were going to get um, robbed. Because there's this huge fight inside. Like, I actually, you heard a lot of fighting, yelling, screaming. 
and it was at this bed and breakfast and I looked out the window and I was literally um, wondering like if I could jump out but I was with my 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 uh, wife who was, who was pregnant at the time so you can't imagine that kind of stress that took place afterwards at nine o'clock in the morning um, the police came by and we had to speak with them and at night there was a guy who ran out naked so yeah I don't need to go into the details, but let's just say that there was a, a huge fight there, and I felt like my life was in danger. Wow. Harry. I thought someone like came in with a gun or a knife and was, was robbing people inside. Oh, my God. Um, and then I had to go sleep in the street the next night, right? So I was like, wow. Like, if it's this bad inside, imagine outside. <laughs> so let's just say sleeping outside is is not like camping. No. Um, I, I call it urban camping just to joke about it, but... Um, it opens up your eyes to many things. There's, it's a humbling experience, and I think I everyone should sleep out in the street at least one time. And everyone will say, ah, one night's nothing. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Try it. And a lot of people say, I do it, but I have to work the next day. And, and at least if that takes place, maybe you might respect someone a little bit more when you say, ah, why don't you just get a job? Try working after sleeping in the street. And not sleeping, really. Because when you say sleeping in the street, you're not really sleeping. You kind of rest for the most part. Or your, or your battery is on low. Right. So, um, I don't know. I, I think sleeping in the street uh, will open up anybody's eyes to more or less what it feels like in a very small scale to be homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, yeah, so it's just like a snapshot, but... It's a quick snapshot, um, but depending on how it is, like if you're by yourself, I mean, if, just put it this way. If there are two of you and you slip next to each other, both of you are exposed to your outer flanks. I mean, somebody could rob you, somebody could yeah. kick you, they could do whatever, right? Um, now, if there are three of you, the person in the middle is safer. These are things you probably never think about. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and then if there are more, okay, people are less likely to mess with a large group of people sleeping out than if you're by yourself. And if you're a woman and all these things, so there are a lot of different factors. But um, let's just say it's an eye-opening experience, and those that participate in our sleepouts can, can say that that's true. So um, if anyone's listening, they want to sleep out with us, contact us. We do it all over Europe. We've even done it in New York City at Times Square, mm -hmm. and you just see how absurd Times Square is when you're sleeping out. There's nobody there, and you're asking yourself how much money is wasted on advertising that nobody's seen and all this electricity when nobody's walking by except <laughs> a few people that are drunk and so you kind of question how smart that city is yeah so i mean you your brain just goes crazy you're trying to find answers that you're probably not going to get the answers to that first night but it actually it helps you in the process of understanding a part of society that you probably don't think about yeah that's it wow and so there's there's a community around the world or you know that you're kind of involved with the homeless entrepreneur is that something yeah i mean i mean for example you're where are you based right now london yeah yeah i mean you're calling me from london right <laughs> yeah. so um uh, our community has seven people on the core team we have uh, 15 advisors and we have more than 250 uh, volunteers around the world right mm. so as we grow um we're able to reach more people and build our community. So it's a matter of uh, inspiring people, motivating them, and having the resources to be there and, and maintain the communication and do things together. But 
as we're able to raise more funds, we're able to obviously build our network and give better opportunities. And uh, that's where we're at. But we're all over the place, mainly in in Europe, but uh, as well in the United States. Um, we, we have contact with people in, in India, Pakistan, um, Africa as well, uh, South America. Um, just as time goes by, people recognize homeless entrepreneurs as an entity that gives homeless people an opportunity to work. And we can't help everyone. That's, I mean, that's obviously impossible. But I tell every single person that contacts me if they're homeless and I don't care where they're from, if you want to share your story through our platform and you're looking to work, I have no problem sharing your content. Mm. So this is one way that we add value to people that aren't able to fit in the program. Um, and now we have an editor called Tomas Casas. Uh, he's a homeless entrepreneur from Valencia and he's doing all the articles in our blog in Spanish. And we're working on creating sustainable work for him through our organization. Right. Mm. So it's, it's about finding a way to give homeless people a voice. Uh, through the sleep outs and through presentations and interviews. And the other thing is the core model of how we end homelessness through work and active citizenship. Mm. Wow. Such a great project. Um, Thank you. I'm in awe, really, of your dedication to this. Yeah, dedication has to be there, otherwise nothing works. So, yeah. I mean, our main thing is is figuring out how right now is raising funds, right? Because what we're doing is working, and um, we're just working on creating economic sustainability, and then at the same time figuring out how we can turn donations into deposits. Uh, I participated in a contest, if you will, uh, with the Rothschild Foundation two years ago, mm -hmm. and made it as a finalist, but didn't get invited to Windsor Castle. Maybe maybe another year. But um, their main question was, how do you turn donations into deposits? And when I spoke with Lord Hastings in Davos, his only question was, how do you convince these large entities to change the way they invest in social issues? So um, intellectually, we're at like a 10 or an 8, 9. We're, we're able to intellectually communicate with, with everyone on this planet. Mm. Um, with the model, we're probably at like a 5, 6. And economically, we're at like a one-two on the on the scale of things. So uh, we're we're mm. working on bringing the economic um, foundation up, and as well with the model. So it's just working together, figuring out how we can build a stronger and better community by asking people who volunteer how they can help us make this better. And this is this is our main focus. Uh, what we've done has worked on a small scale. We've helped 12 people get jobs, sustainable jobs and housing they pay for themselves. And we're just looking to right. consolidate that model um, by raising 250,000 so we can help 100 people. And when we do that, then go to another city, which will probably be London. Okay, yeah. There's a, obviously, as you know, there's a massive homelessness issue in London. Uh, unfortunately, there, and then I think another big issue there is what's going to happen with the Brexit, but we don't need to get into that here. <laughs> but let's just say that there's uncertainty and, and and depending on where you're at, the uncertainty can change. Um, but I, I definitely think that um, we're going in the right direction. We're learning with the people as well. And our community is just getting better and better thanks to those that are participating. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Amazing.
And just a little, like, I'd like to ask you about yourself. Go so, ahead. how did you get into doing homeless entrepreneur? Well, basically, I ended up in a homeless situation myself, and I had to solve my own problem. Right? I wasn't sleeping in the street, but I was going from one place to the next. It's called Insecure Housing. Um, we raised 300,000 euros for a company of mine, and um, and and that got mismanaged um, amongst the partners and got burnt in six months. My first son was born, and the best moment turned into the worst moment, and then I had to find a way to turn my life around and turn it into the best moment back. So that's more or less what happened. I had to solve my own issue, and then when I did that, I wanted to um, help other people as well because it's much more satisfying for me to do this than uh, than teach English or or uh, do digital consultancy. Yeah, so it's it's a personal decision. It, it's not taking away from teaching. It's just something that I enjoy more. It's more fulfilling to know that someone has uh, improved their life um, thanks to our work, um, and that goes beyond. A specific vertical so yeah and how long have you lived in city of barcelona Ooh, since 2003 we're yeah. going on i think 16 years now wow yeah it's time goes by really quickly so and you, um yeah. you came you came to to do what in barcelona what, what, what? i just came i mean i wanted to get to learn the language and yeah. get out of the states because I believe the world is larger than the States yeah. and uh, that's what I tried to do. And I ended up staying here. You know, um, I had my first son, Alan, Alan Andrew, and, and I just had uh, my second child, uh, Blake Liberty, five weeks ago. And, you know, my, my family, my base is here, but yeah. I'm looking at expanding so that way we can uh, make the world our home. Uh, I have uh, keynote speeches in Finland in October for Smart City Nordic, and then in uh, in Sao Paulo in Brazil for an event called uh, Welcome Tomorrow on mobility. So we're moving all over the place, and we're just trying to figure out how we can get the right support. Yeah. Um, so that way it just becomes better and better. Yeah. So you started out teaching English. Yeah, I mean, that was the, it was either, actually, the first thing that came across my head when I came to Barcelona was au pair. And I was like, okay, what's the easiest job I can get without having any kind of legal documentation? <laughs> and then I realized that men get discriminated against in that sector. Yeah, uh, they were just wasn't happening. And I said, okay, well, I don't understand. They're like, you're a man. Like, okay, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess gender equality doesn't exist. So um, I was surprised by that. And I studied English literature anyways. Right. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to see if I can I can get a job teaching English. And, and I did that, and I created an English school called English Metas. Mm. And then as I was doing that, I had to learn how to sell. So I got into digital consultancy mm. and worked in venture capital and and some government projects and then set up another company called Idaction. And just, you know, trying to find my my path. Yeah, of where I can add the most value and also yeah, have the kind of life that I want to have. Yeah. And where are you? Where did you grow up? I was born in Minnesota, um, then was in North Dakota and then back to Minnesota because my mother wanted to have my brother in the same the same hospital. Uh -huh. um, and then 
Texas and Houston, uh, New Mexico, Arizona. My father floated around and he worked in the uh, energy business. So he moved around a lot and I ended up graduating from Arizona State in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. And then I came out here. Mm-hmm. What, when you, uh, what? I graduated, graduated. I graduated one year early. So in three years instead of four, because I just wanted to get done as quickly as possible. Yeah. And so I graduated in 2003 and then popped out to, to Barcelona. Why did you choose Barcelona? Well, uh, my first serious relationship was with a Mexican girl, and I always wanted to learn Spanish. Okay. So I decided to go to Spain because I thought it would be a better place to learn the language. That's yeah. the that was the initial thought process, and also I wanted to be here for two years, then go to France to learn French for two years and float around. But then I realized you need to have some kind of base unless you're just independently wealthy, which isn't my case. Yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. Actually, similar to me in a way that I ended up coming to Barcelona, I had an opportunity um, on the Erasmus program, and. Uh, which is the European um, kind of study. Yeah. And as you know, I'm sure. Um, and yeah, I was doing a degree in uh, creative arts and I ended up, yeah, doing the last semester in, in Barcelona. Was no one else in the in the faculty wanted to take it. And I was like, yep, I'll go. Yeah. <laughs> I was already kind of fascinated by the Spanish culture and the language and I was like keen to learn. I went with having had six Spanish lessons <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> turned up and didn't know. Like I was just like, oh my god, I had you know. You had to learn Spanish. Yeah, I was totally like, what? I can't understand anyone. Oh my god, um, just had to do that. I came pretty much the same. No, I had more Spanish classes, but um, just coming and learning the language here. You know? Yeah, and and it's kind of one of the best ways is total immersion, isn't it? Yeah, you know it's it's the it's the quickest way for sure <laughs> yeah it's definitely quick because you have to you have to don't you? you just have to understand you will make it your business to understand and be understood otherwise you're just not going to be happy so yeah. uh, great to have a base in the language i guess but Def- definitely yeah so that's um it's funny um what are you curious about right now Curious about how we're going to raise the 250,000 so we can yeah. end homelessness for the next 100 people. I mean, that's, uh, I'm curious to know how we're going to grow, not if, but how we're going to grow. And that's my main focus right now is that how do we raise the funding and get the right people on board so we can build uh, a network that grows uh, and that actually cares about the people inside it. That's my, that's my main thing right now. Mm. So if, uh, if people wanted to get more information about, you know, being an investor, that kind of thing, how would they proceed? The, the best way would be just to contact me directly. Uh, my email is funk at homelessentrepreneur.org. Um, they can find Homeless Entrepreneur on social media. We respond from there. Uh, or they can call me at plus three four six nine seven eight seven seven zero eight nine. They just need to reach out. Yeah. And uh, and when they do that, uh, I will explain everything that um, that I can. And it, basically, people ask me why why should they be on the board? And first of all, I would say 
because um, if you're interested in speeding up the process of ending homelessness through work and active citizenship, then um, it's a good point to start. And then from there, seeing what they're willing to, to do to participate. But reaching out to me is the first step, and I respond to everyone. Amazing. Um, yeah, I'll actually, I'll have to talk about you to my brother because he, he does a lot of social justice uh, work. Really? Yeah, and um, he's helped, he's been, yeah, helped a lot of homeless people in the past. Really? What's his name? James, James Dean, actually, funnily enough. <laughs> James Dean. <laughs> okay. it's, a memorable uh, it's, name, a memorable name. Uh, he's based in Bristol at the moment. Uh, well, uh, he, uh, his parents, your parents were thinking about branding, right? When he was born. <laughs> yeah. I know. They, they, they took care of him. Right, so he, he participated in Cogex? No, 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 no. I don't think he's so active at the moment with homeless stuff. He's kind of more doing sustainability and environmental. Is it uh, Senset? Is that his company? No, no, no. No, a different person. Okay. Yeah, different person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very cool. Well, well, if there's any way to speak with him, more than happy to. Um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's our my objective really is to reach the heart and mind of at least one person a day. And if you're if we're able to do that, then it's 365 quality people that are thinking about how we can improve. Um, so that's that's our main goal, really reaching people that care and learning from them and them also learning from us. It's important for people to understand that we're not here on this big horse trying to teach and help homeless people. We're we're there. It's always for and with them. So we have a lot to learn from from their situations and their community and everything that they know and vice versa. And, and then from there, see what we can do to work together, which is the most important thing. Yeah, I, I actually. I, ha I was homeless for a while, not sleeping on the street, but more like you, you kind of in insecure accommodation. I was you know, living on couches, um, yeah. girlfriend's couch, for example. Yeah. Uh, uh, awkward uh, and kind of demoralizing. Um, and that kind of great uncertainty, you know, kind of infiltrates every part of your kind of waking life, really. Yeah. So you don't have that base. You just don't have that secure base. And... It's like everything, in a way, starts from there. So, sure. yeah, I can I can relate to that. But you know, I um yeah, I, I slept rough when I was about sixteen with a with a few friends when we were on like a, on a trip in Paris. Yeah. Um, that was that was an eye opener. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was just a bit of an adventure at the time. You know, we we thought, oh, we'll save our money you know, and not get a hostel or whatever. And it was late when we got there and we just like yeah. found some mattresses out in, this, in the Les Hal district. Uh -huh. And um, yeah, just like slept on this, these mattresses and there were other people around and, you know, it was, it was some, and there were kind of young people and it was kind of an okay vibe. You know, there were a couple of people on drugs and, um, but yeah, just it kind of brought it home to me that vulnerability that you have because there's nothing to nothing protect to protect you. There's no wall. There's no nothing. It's just like you, just yeah. your mind and uh, and other people's um, wits, actions. Yeah, yeah, wits and and other people's actions. And um, actually, it brought it home to me because I think I read in the the news the next day that or like a couple of days later that 
a rough sleeper in Paris had been murdered, you know, their throat slit. Yeah. I was just like, oh my God, you know, oh my God, that could have oh, been. That's crazy. But it's also good, it's also important to know more about that information because um, normally when there's violence on the street, it's not random. Right. Not random at all. There's a lot of people that have beef back and forth. And the thing is, if you have beef with someone, they sleep in the street and they know where you sleep. Uh, you're vulnerable. So yeah, totally. yeah, no one should get their throat slit. But let's just say that there's a lot of stuff that happens on the street. That's not nice. And um, every once in a while we read about it in the newspaper. But I'll let you know that it takes place much more than we read about for sure. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any morning rituals, Andrew? Morning ritual. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I wake up and I either do 80 push-ups or 100 sit-ups. That's the first thing I do with some music and shower. And then um, and then uh, I do my utter best to have breakfast with my family. Uh-huh. Um, so coffee, some kind of small sandwich with chicken in it. So it's, I guess, like the first hour is kind of sacred of uh, taking care of myself, family. And also with, um, there's another thing that I do do is I invite 35 people to connect on LinkedIn every day. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. And it's it's every day and I just use a keyword that's related to something I've posted or I'm going to post briefly and uh, reach out to 35 people around the world every day. And as a result, I have more than 24,500 contacts of people that are related to what I'm doing. And yeah. uh, it's important to be consistent. I don't have as much time to go to the gym. Uh, like before but i make sure that i you know every day push-ups or sit-ups and then obviously brushing your teeth <laughs> which is normal bathroom and uh, showering but uh spending uh, time with family in the morning is important right and also uh connecting with the world as well also i look at the news you know what's what's going on to have a general idea but that's really quick because a lot of that stuff is just repetitive yeah yeah, I get you. Um, do you have? Are you reading a book at the moment? Are you reading something? Yeah, I'm reading a book. Um, it's is it here? Yeah, it's uh, it's actually in uh, the underneath the stroller because I carry it with me. It's measuring and improving social impacts: a guide for nonprofits, companies, and impact investors by Mark J. Epstein and Christy Uthas. So that's what I'm reading. I'm almost done with it. And uh, I'm, most importantly, what I'm doing with it is applying what I'm learning to improve our model and what we're doing as well, because social impact is really important. But the next one I'm reading will be on smart cities, because I have to prepare the presentation for Finland. Okay, smart cities. And do you have a favorite book or one that's really impacted you more than anything else? My favorite book would be The Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner by James Hogg. I think it was written in 1826. Really? Wow. Yeah. I'm going to kill myself. Maybe maybe I'm wrong about the date. Um, but uh, it's it was the book that I enjoyed the most. The Memoirs and Confessions. Me Memoirs and Confessions of a Justified Sinner. Huh. And sorry, I was wrong. It was published anonymously in 1824. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, that was probably one of the books that I that stuck out. Obviously, I've read a lot, so I always have a book in my hand. What is it? What is it? But, you know, 
what is it about that book that kind of is memorable? Just, uh, just I think it's the ability for humans to justify anything they do. Mm. So, I mean, uh, I don't remember all the details right now. I'd have to read it again, but it's just something yeah. that kind of like stick, stuck out in my mind. And, you know, and, and the fact that it's private memories of what people keep inside and then and then how they confess them. So I think everybody has private private memories and, and confessions. Um, and let's just say everyone could be considered a justified sinner. So I, I think the book um, could speak about humanity in itself, but it's, it's quite good. I enjoyed it. I'm going to look that up. That sounds fascinating. Yeah. Um, do you have a favorite film? Favorite film? Ooh, that's a hard one. I don't, um, I don't. Wow. I mean the. Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna. That's a hard one. Because <laughs> you have so many that, movies, but I don't. I don't watch as many movies as I do read books. I mean, the first ones that come to mind: Apocalypse Now, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, uh, well, it's a hard one. Um, Goodwill Hunting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, it depends. I mean, there's just so many. It's hard for me to really come up with a specific movie right now. Yeah, yeah. But I enjoy reading or watching movies that are based on real life. Yeah. You know, and I I enjoy watching movies that I can learn something from. Obviously, you can learn something from everything, but I just say it's something related to my personal life or professional life and something applicable. Yeah. Have you seen Pay It Forward? Uh, do I know what it is or the movie? The movie, yeah. Um, I do not remember watching it, but I know about the concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just it just seems resonates somehow with what you've been talking about. I'm like, oh my god, if Andrew, if you haven't seen it, I think I'll definitely I'll definitely watch it. There's a, I did something once just to try it, and it had nothing to do with that movement. But yeah. I was sitting down having coffee, and uh, this man came in with his son, who was uh, handicapped. He had some kind of disability, and he asked me if he could. I was in between two free seats, and he asked me if I could scoot over. And I was like, obviously, you know, it's common sense. So I moved over, um, and then when he left, I went to pay as well, and he had paid for my coffee. Oh my god! And so I was—I don't know—just we had a nice conversation and. Wait. And it was just a nice moment, so that inspired me to invite this random woman that was sitting down. She was the only person that was by herself. Everybody else was in the group. And uh, so I told the waiter, I said, um, I'm going to pay for her drink. And um, and then I left, and I waited by the stoplight just to see the reaction. So I was curious, and I wanted to you know, pay it forward in that sense. And it was funny, because the first thing, she got angry. <laughs> She got angry. She's like, who paid for this? Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't accept. She didn't want to accept it. She wow. couldn't understand how someone that didn't know her at all could pay for something. But then when she left, she was smiling, had this you know, big smile on her face. And she was on the phone and talking about it to it just to, to someone else. So, I mean, you just see the positive deeds can go a long way. And and, you know, it, I think more than pay it forward, it should be think it forward. You know, so mm -hmm. think about what you're going to do and how you can make society a better place. But uh, it sounds like a movie worth watching. 
I love it. Yeah, I love that. That yeah, that kind of um, evolution of pay it forward, think it forward, which yeah. is kind of in a way what you're doing, right, with, with your yeah. life. And yeah, I I really like wish the best for this project, and I'm going to be kind of thinking about uh, people I can talk to to about it, and yeah, how I can kind of share more about this with people and and. Really appreciate it. I mean, the most important thing, like I said, right now is just raising the funds for economic stability. We've created economic stability for 12 people in the program, and now we're working on doing it for the people that are are working in the organization. So that way we can reach many, many more people. So that's that's our main focus. Um, also, uh, partnering up with uh, organizations that can help us with resources and volunteering so that way we can do specific projects. But just anybody that wants to help make it better. But the, like I said, the main thing right now is is raising the funds so that way we can have a stable economic base, and then building that model in in Barcelona and taking it to a city like London. Mm. Well, I know a lot of people in London, so and and I know a lot of people that know a lot of people in London as well. And most importantly, you know James Dean. <laughs> I know James Dean very well, very well indeed. All right. Well, I really appreciate the opportunity um, to speak on your podcast. I mean, for us, every opportunity that we can speak about what we're doing is giving a voice to the organization and, and the people in it. And and hopefully somebody who listens to this is inspired and reaches out yeah. to us and can help do something tangible so that way we can make it even better. Yeah. Uh, well, it's my absolute pleasure to assist in any way I can with doing this interview and yeah, let's, I mean, I, I just, yeah, I have the best feeling about what you're doing and I, I really admire it. I really, really admire it. And yeah, you're just, yeah, contributing to the world in a fabulous way and uh, to people who are, you know, most needy and, and vulnerable. And, it, you know, to be honest, we don't often think about um Yes, you know, I, I do walk past, uh, whenever I'm in London, I walk past rough sleepers, people in the street all the time. But yeah, I guess I get, um, I get blind to it. I get, you know, I just well, numb. Of, more numb. than, more than blind, numb. Numb, yeah, that's it, numb. Um, kind of anesthetize myself to it somehow. Uh, I, I, it, when you know how to deal with it, it's easier to look at it. But when you don't know, you just kind of turn your brain off. And we're helping people turn their brain on so that way they can participate. I mean, I spoke with Roger Penrose in Geneva. He worked with Stephen Hawkins. And I asked him how AI could help speed up the process. And he said he'd never really thought about it. So part of our work is getting people to think about it so we can think it forward. Getting AI to help, help with the process. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Everyone, everyone, everything is because it's society. Yeah. Well, so everyone can participate. It's exciting stuff. Um, yeah. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for so much for coming on the interview. Um, I really appreciate it as well. It's my uh, pleasure. Yeah. Um, and it's meaningful for me. You know, it's bringing more meaning for me to, to get this kind of stuff out there. So uh, grateful. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. And uh, looking forward to sharing the podcast as soon as as soon as you do. And um, and I'll let you know if anyone contacts us. Thanks to uh, to this conversation i shall do and i'll i'll make it a uh, a priority to get this sorted and out there as soon as possible 
Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it and wish you and your podcast the best as well. Thank you so much, Andrew, and best of yeah, best of luck. All thanks. All the love and all the goodness to you. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, and you have an amazing day. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Bye bye. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Andrew and you can contact him at funk at homelessentrepreneur.org. The website is homelessentrepreneur.org and uh, he's pretty findable on uh, LinkedIn and Facebook with that same title, Homeless Entrepreneur. I shall put notes um, links in the show notes the description of the podcast so you can tap through uh, easily and connect with him Uh, he's also on twitter Um, so yes thank you so much for listening to this interview it's been a real pleasure and if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast on your platform that you listen to it on and please, please, please share it widely. Now, if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I do have a little favor to ask, and that is if you could please review and rate the podcast. Um, It does help with the algorithm in Apple to show it to more people. I also think you could get a lot out of following me on Instagram, uh, it's flowing ninja. That's the username for the account, which is for the podcast flow ninja and, uh, coaching and mentoring. And yes, the other thing that you may be interested in is my free downloadable PDF top 10 secrets to hacking your flow stepping into your power and thriving at life. And you can get that at go.flowninja.co. That's go.flowninja.co. All right. Well, thank you for listening to the podcast. Please do subscribe if you haven't already. Um, We are now available on Apple Podcasts as well as all other good podcasting platforms. Also, I forgot to mention another great reason for downloading the PDF is that you get to be on my email list, the Flow Ninja email list, so you get all the latest updates regarding new podcast editions, episodes, and uh, YouTube videos I'm putting out there, as well as my news and views on life and everything. So please do subscribe. You may or may not be aware that I also have a YouTube channel for Flow Ninja and you are very welcome to subscribe and these videos are a bit different to the podcast but equally fascinating. That's just Flow Ninja uh, on YouTube. The link is should be in the description of the podcast. Um, it's a fledgling channel, so I don't have one of these vanity URLs. Um, so it's just a jumble of, uh, letters at (laughs) after youtube.com. The format's a little bit different to the podcast. I'm making videos about my insights into reality, life, uh, human nature, uh, psychology, that kind of thing. And 
yeah, I invite you to subscribe, uh, like the videos if they resonate, and comment your thoughts and feedback. That would be wonderful. So thanks again for listening to this podcast and see you in the next episode. Hey guys, so please support this podcast and my YouTube by donating on Patreon. Every little help, big and small, is a massive support for me to continue making videos and yeah, get the word out there, get my story and my message out there. So I much appreciate any help you can give. The link for my Patreon is in the show notes. So uh, I look forward to (laughs) um, making more stuff, more content for you. Thank you. And the link is patreon.com forward slash flow ninja. Simple as that. Thank you so much.